are Locked On Dynasty Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome to the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. You can follow me on Twitter at RyanMC23. Joining me, as always, is Matt Williamson. Find Matt on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. Matt, how's it going today? It's great. Uh, I'm ready to dig in. We had a really good show yesterday with our, our same guest, and let's just get this thing rolling along. Let's do it. We are glad to welcome back, uh, second day in a row, Scott Connor. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Charles Chill FFB. He's the host of the Dynasty and Chill podcast. Uh, he has uh, also the, uh, I believe it's the Dynasty and Chill Patreon. Is that what that's called, Scott? Indeed, indeed, yep. <laughs> and uh, and also a writer at Dynasty League Football. Uh, Scott is super smart when it comes to all things Dynasty. One of my go-to uh, resources anytime I have a question. So we're glad to have him on here today. Matt, like you said, we talked quarterbacks and tight ends yesterday. We're focusing all solely on running backs today. Uh, I, I didn't want to put Scott through uh, the pain of having to talk about these wide receivers. I know he's he's been on this kick of wide receivers don't matter. So we'll, we'll cover wide receivers next week when he's not around. Uh, Scott, before we even get to any of these specific players, I, I do know, and, and it's, it's, it's pretty obvious that the wide receiver position, because of the volume, uh, I mean, we, we already had a deep class. We saw um, a dozen or more impact wide receivers come into the, into the league last year from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, and we're going to see it again this year, I think, if, if you really trust this class. So without getting into specific wide wide receivers in this class when you think about <clears throat> when you think about those rookie picks you know the, these top three running backs that we'll we'll get into soon they're going to be off the board by the middle of the first round most likely if you've got to pick anywhere from six seven eight all the way to the end of the second round unless we get a, a primo landing spot for one of these second tier running backs you could make a case that no running back belongs anywhere from, let's say, 6 to 18 or 20 in rankings or ADP. And a guy like you who kind of devalues the wide receiver position overall, what do you do? Do you bite the bullet and, and take the best player available? Are you trading out? What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question because we talked about yesterday's show, probably five quarterbacks belong in the first round. Pitts is going to go in the first round. Uh, Jamar Chase, I think, is an alpha. Uh, he's already valued that way. He's going to go in the first round. Uh, and then you mentioned we're going to get to the running backs, but there's probably only going to be three, maybe four, maybe five running backs that go day two of the NFL draft. You know, that's what we're looking for for Dynasty is guys that go in the first three rounds. So right there, you know, five quarterbacks, a receiver, a tight end, and let's just say three running backs. To me, I'm looking at the 110 as like this magical tier where it may not be that I get the best talent there, but from a scarcity standpoint, it drops off like a rock at those three positions. And then it just lends into, okay, if I'm sitting at the 201, that's probably going to be a receiver tier. Maybe it's wide receiver two, four, but I know that I'm going to probably have to take a receiver there. So I'm already trying to forecast that a little bit. Now, you're going to have maybe another running back that jumps in there. You know, we'll talk about which ones, but... I'm kind of looking at, yeah, that second round, it's all receivers. So my strategy has been before you click draft on a receiver this year, shop the pick. Can you get a veteran receiver that can do the same thing? Maybe minimize some of your risk. Uh, and the other thing is, 
I think we're going to look back at this draft and say, you know, if I'm at the 112 and the 203, if I can get to the 110 and maybe lock in the last of the three running backs or the last of the five quarterbacks, just from a positional value standpoint, I think moving up is a strategy that I'm going to try to do too here. And especially before the draft, you got to do it before it becomes clear to everybody that that's what the board looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. We'll talk more about that and kind of the overall strategy when it comes to these running backs throughout the show, but let's get into the specific players. Uh, I, I think, I think there's an overall or, or consensus running back one. It, it feels like for most people, it's Najee Harris. Matt, I know it's Najee Harris for you. Tell us what you like about him. Yeah, I've watched a ton of them. I think there's a really good chance he goes 24 to my Steelers. I see like I talk about him every day on my Steelers show. <laughs> um, I like everything about about him except the fact that he's a little bit older than you'd love, but I'm not keeping these guys till they're 28, 29 anyway. I really think he's, you know, a potentially fantastic receiving offer. I mean, he's got a huge catching radius, and it's just tipping tip of the iceberg with his receiving. Yeah, it certainly was good to see him kind of step up that part of his game uh, in his final season at Alabama. Uh, Scott, is Najee Harris your RB1 and any overall thoughts on him? Yeah, I've been critical of Najee Harris uh, for a long time just because, you know, if you put – if you just take the top three in this class and you put them side-by-side profile-wise with the guys from last year, they just don't stack up. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're being valued that way because of the scarcity at the position. You know, people in Dynasty need running backs every single year. Hey, I need a running back. You know, I'm not sure if the three that I had last year are going to be in the same role that they were. So people need running backs. I think that's what's pushing them up the board. If I had to pick, I'm probably taking Travis Etienne over Najee, unless it's a a point-per-carry league, which is a a quirk where basically you're getting points for getting carries. You know, I think ETN probably profiles more of a, you know, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders, his carry loads probably 200, 225 at the sweet spot. I don't think he ever gets to the, you know, Mixon, Elliott, Nick Chubb, you know, 275 plus type touches uh, on the ground. Uh, But I'm curious about, you know, the landing spots too, because I think that's going to change the order for sure. And I, I just am... I'm just down on the class, just comparing the profiles side by side. I probably won't have a lot of these guys. Uh, I would much rather try to capture that value, the value replacement advantage with Chase or with Pitts or with the quarterbacks that I would be chasing on uh, a running back. But I'm curious with Matt, your thought on him landing with the Steelers, because I've, I've heard some mixed things about, you know, they were at the bottom in terms of DVOA last year in rushing. I mean, it, do you think it was the talent that they had? Do you think Najee can actually fix the running game overnight? I'm just quick curious on your quick thoughts on that, Matt. Um, I don't know if I'll fix it overnight. I mean, their style of runs were very unstealer-like, a lot of draws and passive runs like that. I mean, they're not coming off the ball. Um, but the run, I think the running back play has been horrendous in Pittsburgh now for a couple of years. I mean, even the 8-8 eight and eight year where Ben missed the whole year, it got overlooked. Everyone just blamed Duck and Rudolph for having a terrible offense, but the running backs were horrible. I mean, it, 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 it's probably the worst running back in the room in the league, in my opinion, right now. So you think it bumps up his landing spot if he goes to Pittsburgh versus, you know, somewhere else? You think that would actually be a favorable landing spot yes. uh, for him specifically? And I think okay. they see Le'Veon Bell usage from him as a runner-receiver. Good. Good stuff. I mean, I I do agree, and and I look at Pittsburgh as generally a good landing spot for a running back. I would say the same thing about Atlanta. Um, 
but both of those we can say the same thing about both of those teams they haven't had a good running game in in two to three years and maybe it's personnel maybe it's scheme maybe it's something else or, or a combination of those but i i think we're maybe overhyping those those two specific landing spots a little too much yeah, do you think the landing spot actually, you know, for me, if the landing spot for a guy like Najee is seen as super favorable, that's probably going to put him out of the range where I'm probably going to want to take him. You that know what I mean? Because he's yeah. going to have the pedigree, but I think if he goes to Pittsburgh, there's probably going to be somebody in your league that's taking him in the same range as Pitts, ahead of the QB3, ahead of Jamar Chase, top five. And to me, it, I just I can't get there because I know I'm pretty much just drafting a – I'm drafting something as a placeholder not a positional advantage. So I'm using a top five pick on a running back. I want a guy that I think can get there positional advantage wise. And I'm not sure Najee can. So Scott, we're going to, uh, we're going to wrap up this segment with this question in a one quarterback league. Who is your one Oh one? Is it Travis Etienne, who you said was your RB one? Is it Kyle Pitts or is it Jamar chase? And you can't trade the pick. No, no trades, no trades on the table. (laughs) Yeah, this one's tough. I, I think if I had to pick, I would probably lead ETN just because of the positional scarcity, but it is very tough to turn down Jamar Chase because he is already being valued like right there in the range with like CD Lamb. I mean, he's a top 10 receiver. That's how most people, yep. I've seen Calvin Ridley for Jamar Chase rejected. People would rather have Chase. I mean, we're already to that point. So yeah, the running backs are harder to get and yeah, wide receivers don't matter, but when you have an asset, it's just hard to turn down that asset. I know you said I can't trade the pick, but I can draft Jamar Chase and trade Jamar Chase. So there you go. <laughs> nice. Always always finding a, a loophole. I love it, Scott. <laughs> All right. Najee Harris is the RB1 for Matt. Uh, Scott, I agree with you. It's Travis Etienne for me. I've got those two flipped compared to Matt. Uh, after the break, we'll get into Javante Williams and the rest of this class. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at a very fair price. Uh, 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Uh, Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 This collection features high-quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight at a fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. Uh, the, the ring from Platt Boutique in particular is amazing. It's so simple and clean, but the vintage details are really cool. And it's a, a perfect little ring that's so timeless that would make the perfect gift. So if you're on the hunt for that perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to go check this out. They won't be around for long, so now's the time to find them by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. I also want to tell you guys about Built Bar. I mean, Built Bar is a good friend of the Locked On Network. They're the best tasting protein bar ever. Um, they're a big hit in our house. Every time they show up, they last about a day or two until the box is empty. Um, they are 
the, the taste in particular really stands out. And I've mentioned a couple times to you guys that my wife is sort of a chocolate snob and usually doesn't like the chocolate they use on these different bars that are available, but that's absolutely not the case with Built Bar. Um, and they're also incredibly healthy. So uh, the new improved Built Bars are even more delicious. There's 18 amazing flavors and six new flavors. Um, I just want to give you a rundown on some of these these flavors here, what they're all about. So let me find one here. We got peanut butter. Peanut butter is 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, only 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. Where, uh, let's find another one here. Cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. So uh, Built Bar has reset the promo code for this relaunch. Our new promo code is LOCKED15, LOCKED15. So go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo co code LOCKED15, and you get 15% off your next order. Uh, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. The Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about our live NFL Draft coverage. All right, guys. So we had, we had some mixed feelings, some mixed rankings there. Uh, Scott and I on board with Travis Etienne, slightly over Najee Harris. Matt's got Harris as his RB1, hoping he lands in Pittsburgh. Uh, let's, let's move on to Javante Williams. We talked at the top of the show about that, that pretty clear top three, and, of course, Javante Williams is the third guy there. Uh, Matt, what have you seen from him? Yeah, I like him quite a bit. I think he's a sustainer. I think he's going to get built to handle a lot of touches. He's very good in protection. I think that's a key that doesn't get brought up enough is, you know, late in the season – Michael Carter came off the field in throwing situations because they trusted Williams more in protection. He's sturdier. He's very tough. I think he has receiving abilities. Not great in that area, but pretty good. I think he's a quality player that should be a real fantasy asset. Scott, how much of, and, and this is hard to nail down, I know, but how much of Javante Williams' value comes from the huge gap between he and, and whoever ends up as the RB4. Yeah, I think uh, he's definitely the safest to get second-round draft capital. Uh, obviously, the landing spot could jump him up or maybe knock him down a little bit, but I think he really just kind of slots in there because there isn't anybody else. Um, I see him very comparable in terms of dynasty impact to, you know, I've heard people throw around Kareem Hunt, David Montgomery. I think you're basically getting a placeholder RB2 where the value on him is the fact that he's a rookie, he's going to hit the prerequisite draft capital, and he's going to be basically insulated from an opportunity standpoint for a couple years. You're not going to have to worry about, well, they're going to draft somebody next year in the same slot. Typically, you don't see you know, second-round running backs get drafted over right away. Uh, and he's also going to be on a rookie deal. That's valuable. A lot of these rookie, rookie running backs from last year are more valuable because they're not going to be threatened for another couple years. So I think that... That's really how I see him. I, I do not see him moving into difference-making territory, which is typically like top eight or nine in a given season. I think that's probably more like his ceiling would be like Montgomery last year. He would need the perfect landscape for him to crack a top 10 season from a fantasy standpoint, but that's still valuable. You know, if you, if you can plug and play a guy like Javante Williams right away in your RB2 spot, 
you're getting it cheaper by drafting him at the 107, 108, 109 in a super flex draft than you would be to probably have to go and trade for somebody. So yeah, Montgomery, Hunt, Chris Carson, I see similar impacts uh, for him over the next four years. The insulation is why he's valued a little higher. Yeah, we throw around that that just a guy label, a jag label, and and typically it's you know it's viewed as an insult, and understandably so, I guess. But that's really kind of what it feels like. He's he's just a guy. He's going to be a, most likely going to be a starting NFL running back, um, an RB two or a flex guy in fantasy, and and that's going to be fine. But it sounds like I'm hearing you say temper expectations a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you compare him last year to somebody like A.J. Dillon. I think A.J. Dillon would be profile-wise much better than Javante Williams. Now, that's Mm. profile-wise on paper, but you could see him get drafted in the same range, you know, mid to late second round. But you saw where A.J. Dillon was last year, you know, RB6 or 7 compared to everybody else. And this year, Javante Williams is a slam dunk RB3. And I think those two are comparable. I think the big thing would be, you know, what what if Javante Williams lands with Jacksonville in the second round? And, and it, just a landing spot that throws us completely through a loop and we're going, wait, we already had a top 24 running back right. there and now you're putting him here. So then you have to kind of determine, okay, well, I have to now draft the talent, not the situation. I'm not getting a slam dunk starter from day one. So I think there's a little risk, uh, but we're just assuming he gets the capital and he goes somewhere where there's going to be immediate opportunity. So it, it's just a scarcity thing. Yeah, that's a good point. We talked last week about... Um, depth charts and and teams that needed uh, each of the positions. Obviously, a big focus on the running back spot. We talked, uh, obviously, Pittsburgh and Atlanta as as kind of the two main teams who could use a running back, Uh, the Jets and Miami as well. But most likely, these three running backs are not going to land on those three or four teams. One of them, like you said, is either going to go somewhere where – there's already an established back or, or at least somebody we thought was established. I don't know. Do you think, uh, do you think there's a, a story we could tell where one of these other guys RB four down could leapfrog Javante Williams in, in rookie drafts? I, here's my one theory that's kind of out there is Atlanta picks four. They're not taking a back at four. They're either going to take right. a quarterback pits or trade out. And if they trade out, they'd have to trade all the way to, like, Washington's pick to even consider a back. So they probably take an offensive player in some way, shape, or form in round one. Does that mean with the status of their defense, they could ignore defense with that early second round pick? I tend to think no. So I've been kind of picking up some Mike Davis stock with the thought that the Falcons' first two picks probably won't be running backs. But maybe the third one is... Sermon or Gainwell or Carter or something like that, and we all think, wow, he's going to skyrocket right past Mike Davis, which may or may not be true. Yeah, I think Atlanta also, with the trade back potential, they could be a team that trades back maybe with Denver and picks up an extra second round pick and just looks at it as a bonus. And then they add, you know, if you pick up an extra second in a trade and you probably get the same player you were considering at four, at nine, or at eight, or wherever they make the trade to. They could just look at that as it's a free. It's basically free money. We might as well take a running back. But I, I agree with Matt. If you look at their picks, you know they would be reaching if they took a guy like Javante Williams in the second round. So, you know they're kind of out of the mix unless they're targeting somebody probably early in the round three. So we've got Travis Etienne, Najee Harris as our top two guys in in some order. Javante Williams at RB three. 
Uh, we'll do this before our last break. Who is your running back four in this class for dynasty purposes? Matt, we'll start with you. Sermon, but not by leaps and bounds. There's a couple others I have some interest in, but I think Sermon is a quality player that will get a lot of carries and has a chance to be a decent receiver. But I'm not doing it. You can tell by my tone I'm not super excited about him. Yeah, it's actually Sermon for me as well. There's there's lots of options along with Trey Sermon, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, Chuba Hubbard, Michael Carter, uh, the Jamar Jefferson uh, hype has certainly <laughs> calmed down, but uh, he was a player some were looking at uh, that highly at, at some point this offseason. Scott, RB4, who's your guy? Yeah, that's tough because I don't know how they're going to come off the board. I'm pretty right. sure Michael Carter's probably going to be the fourth running back off the board if I had to make a bet on who goes fourth. Uh, but I also see the narrative in Dynasty being if Sermon were to go you know, to Atlanta in the third round or a good landing spot. We know the community would react by saying, oh, well, look at every, he's got the pedigree. He's got the size. He's relatively athletic for the position. We're going to bump him up. He would jump Michael Carter or Kenneth Gainwell because I think they're going to have warts no matter where they go that are going to be hard for people to get on board with. So I I would go Sermon just because I probably see the highest upside, especially if you're having to draft like right now. Um, I would make a bet on Sermon, but I don't think he'll be the RB4. I would I would lean towards Michael Carter at this point, just draft position-wise. Maybe even Gainwell, one of those receiving types, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we throw around all these names. If, if you're a big college football fan, if you're a Devi player in Dynasty Leagues, you know these names pretty well. But, Scott, you, you kind of hinted at it earlier. Some of these guys are going to be fourth-round picks, day three picks. You know, it might be Chuba Hubbard. It might be Trey Sermon or Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, draft capital and landing spot, as always, are going to to tell us so much. We'll get into a few more of these guys a little more specifically uh, after this break. Bet Online is by far the fastest and easiest way to bet on any of your sports action. Uh, the NFL is not playing at the moment, but there's all sorts of things you can do with the draft and future bets and over/under win totals. We got NBA and NHL we're, we're blazing along here, and we got the postseason coming right around the corner for them. Uh, Bet Online even covers reality TV and different TV shows and awards. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Uh, Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. But when you do, make sure you use our promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, all caps. Head to the website and you, or use your mobile device, which is, simple, is extremely easy, to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus when you use that locked on promo code on your first deposit. That's 50% off. Um, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockanfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D. A-C-Y. Guys, let's put a bow on this running back conversation. Uh, sounds like we mostly agreed that Trey Sermon would be our running back four 
uh, right now for dynasty purposes, but uh, lots of room to hedge on that when we learn draft capital. Uh, basically, from running back four all the way down, uh, these guys are all just, just kind of bunched up right now. I want to start with a pair of guys who you could argue probably could have should have come out a year ago in the NFL draft, Chuba Hubbard and Kylan Hill. Uh, Kylan Hill ultimately opted out of the uh, 2020 season. Chuba Hubbard uh, did did not play nearly as well or, or put up even close to the type of numbers that he did the previous season. Uh, both of those guys, uh, like I said, in hindsight, should have been part of that that stacked 2020 uh, running back class. Matt, what are your thoughts on Hubbard and Kylan Hill? Hubbard, to me, is all about landing spot. I mean, he really has a Raheem Mostert, Niners, Shanahan feel to him. Give him a crease, take it to the house, get downhill. If San Fran takes him in the fourth round or so or a team-similar scheme, I'm interested. If not, I want nothing to do with him. I think Gainwell's a pretty darn good player. I mean, I, I, Kamara is way too strong of an example because Kamara can handle much more of a workload, in my opinion. But he's an exceptional receiver. I mean, I think he could be a very good pro, and it's probably being overlooked a little in the community right now. Scott, thoughts on Chuba Hubbard or Kylan Hill? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that uh, Chuba Hubbard should have come out last year. You know, he's... It's very interesting to look at him versus Gainwell and the narrative around the two. Gainwell opted mm-hmm. out, yeah. basically focused on getting, putting together exactly the profile that people thought he needed to, and now his stock is seemingly at least neutral or up. Chuba Hubbard decided to go back to school, decided to play in a couple games, and now it's like he's completely off the radar. And yeah, he didn't. <laughs> his pro day wasn't as good as we expected. Uh, but it's just interesting. How would we be viewing Chuba Hubbard had he opted out and then said, I'm not going to test at all. Go back, go back and look at my film in 2019 and draft me off of that. I think the narrative would be a little bit different on him. But, you know, generally, if you're picking running backs the last five years, if you just look at all the guys that have been drafted after, you know, the midway point of round three and into round four, these are typically really, really bad bets from a rookie pick standpoint. You know, if I'm in the range where I know I'm probably just going to be picking a placeholder like this, you know, package up package forward to a future pick. You know, if you're at the 302, instead of drafting the RB6 that went on early day three of the draft, you know, trade out for a future second if you can. You know, that's the strategy standpoint. Um, you know, I, I like Kylan Hill. I actually think he's he is probably a really good bet to have like a Jamal Williams type career where it's just like he he's going to be on a depth chart. You need these guys in Dynasty. I think the key is how many of them can you get for super cheap? Yeah. Because I think we're going to get a ton of guys that are drafted late day two, early to mid day three, and they're going to be backups. They're not going to have a path to a role. And if you're looking for the next Chris Carson or Aaron Jones or James Robinson, where it's like, wow, they just took over the backfield. And I think the key is, even if they look good, it doesn't preclude the team from drafting a guy in the exact same spot next year. Look at the Bills. The Bills could draft another back in round three or round four. And they've done it the last two years both guys who were somewhat desirable rookie picks. So I just think you got to be careful. You know, you collect these guys as placeholders, but I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to get out of this running back class outside of the top three. You make a good point there, Scott. And as great as, you know, James Robinson's story was that basically came out of nowhere, even when Leonard Fournette was cut, 
most people still were not on James Robinson, you know, chasing the, these other guys instead. Uh, in some ways, he's he's become a danger for dynasty players because now all I've heard is this guy is the next James Robinson or who is the next James Robinson. <laughs> right. There's not a James year, Robinson right, every yeah. year, right? It, it, in fact, they're they're pretty rare uh, to see that to see that player. I mean, he had one of the best seasons ever, one of the best rookie seasons ever for an undrafted player, one of the best seasons ever from an undrafted running back. And now we're looking at these names and trying to find the next one. It's it's not likely to happen. Well, look at I mentioned Chris Carson. Fun fact: Chris Carson has actually outscored Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb fantasy points per game for their career. But there has always been, and the difference is, has the Dynasty community ever bought into Chris Carson as being an insulated running back that isn't volatile from year to year? I mean, yeah, he went back to the Seahawks, but if he wouldn't have gone back to the Seahawks, the value was done. Like, people are just casting him off like he's not that good. And the two years before that, he's fighting, well, they're going to replace him. They're going to bring somebody in. So even if you hit on one of these guys in day three, exactly, even if you hit on one of these guys in day three, you're never going to get that value spike no matter what. It's almost like no matter what they do, people are going to question them until it's too late for them to be useful in Dynasty anyway. Aaron Jones finally gets the the respect. Well, he's going into his fifth year and he's 27 years old. This is not the time to buy him until people start giving up on him again. So it's, it's just a losing bet from all angles, I think, when you're targeting running backs after the top three. Yeah, even even if you win, what are you really winning, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Austin Eckler, I think, is a good example of what you're talking about. I mean, this guy's been productive, uh, very productive for two, three seasons now, and he's still, at best, probably a fourth-round startup pick. And I mean, that's not nothing, but you look at other players with that production, they're first-rounders. So, and we're, we're still kind of holding that... Um, that draft capital, that lack of draft capital against him. I mean, there, I've even seen talk, what if the Chargers draft a running back this year? Like, th- this is, this is kind of crazy talk. Like, but it goes to exactly what you're saying. There's a, not uh, a lot we, of needs around the league, but there's 15 names here that are going to play somewhere and muck things up. Yeah. We've got a few more names we haven't talked about, uh, specifically Jamar Jefferson, Elijah Mitchell, Ramondre, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Javian Hawkins. Matt, do you like any of those guys at all? Not really. Um, <laughs> I was going to bring up Chris Evans. I mean, okay. Kylan Hill yeah. was brought up, and Chris Evans. Maybe they could get a, a fortunate injury or something and show and maybe get to have, a, have a run. I mean, those are the two that I kind of picked out. Scott, what about you? Digging deep on any of those day three maybe even undrafted guys? Yeah, I still, uh, it's hard for me to admit, but I do like Javion Hawkins a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, being a Kentucky fan, it's hard to admit Louisville has good players. But, he, I mean, you. he, he was you, a good brother. player in college. But, I, I'm again, what are you getting? You know what I mean? Yeah. You're basically drafting a player that, you know, if you, if you went like a zero RB build in a dynasty league, then, yeah, collect these guys. But understand what you're doing. You're collecting them. And you probably have a better chance, instead of using a draft pick, you can probably go out, instead of using the 306 on a running back, I bet you you can go out and trade that 306 for two similar shots that are currently in the NFL, and you're basically getting the same thing. You know, you can go trade that pick for Mike Boone and Jamal Williams, 
And essentially, you're getting the same thing. These guys have no insulation long-term. We saw from last year, you know, I wasted so many picks on Darrington Evans, Anthony no. McFarland, <laughs> Joshua Kelly. Yes. They all, could, they all could be replaced. So it's just like you're drafting bodies, placeholders, no expectation to be a starter. So I just think there's a, there's a better way to use it, but I, I'm, I'll be a sucker for picking up Javion Hawkins. Elijah Mitchell's another one. Uh, he's risen above everybody else in terms of athletic profile. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's another one that's going to get a little buzz depending on where he lands. Ryan, the other one that might end up on my team uh, with some regularity is Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech. Okay. What do you like about him? Low, compact. He's got speed and acceleration. I know he has very few catches, but I think that might be that might change in the, the next the next level. I'm just hoping the idea that he's an ascending player. Sounds good, Matt. We will uh, we'll cover the wide receivers next week All right. uh, when, when Scott's not around. But that is it for today's show. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to follow the show at Locked On Dynasty. Follow Matt at Williamson NFL, and I'm Ryan MC23. We'll be back next time with more Locked On Dynasty.